In Zach Taylor's press conference on Tuesday, there was some praise for Joe Mixon. Plus, what about Lel Collins' progress, and how does all this fit in with Joe Burrow's extension coming this offseason? You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, covering your team every day. You can subscribe to this show on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts and become an everydayer, become a first listener, the two lovely little clubs we'd like to talk about for our regular listeners and those of you who make us your first listen every day. And today, it's time to revisit the Joe Mixon topic, James. Speaking of topics that won't go away, that, that keep coming back up in different ways, much like the offensive line for the last two years. We're, we're hitting the, the regulars today as far as this offseason in the last few years with the offensive line and, and Joe Mixon and how these things are all going to fit together financially with the Joe Burrow extension expected this offseason. But we're going to start with Joe Mixon, James. It came up a little bit in Zach Taylor's press conference on Tuesday. Some... Mm-hmm words of of confidence in Joe Mixon when Taylor was asked about whether he had to talk with Mixon about all the things that have been said about his future in in media and social media this offseason. He, one, described their relationship, said we have a good relationship with with Joe, praised his work ethic, and, and said that that was a big reason why they gave him the contract. And the contract has been a big talking point, right? Four years, $48 million dollars. A few years ago, obviously going into this year, we've talked about it a ton and I'm not going to shy away from it now. I personally would not bring Joe Mixon back at the number he's set to make $12.6 million cap hit over $10 million in salary this year. I would not do that. And that hasn't changed, but I think the chances of him being in town, being on this roster have certainly increased and there's a variety of reasons from that. And in the, the part of the quote that, that Zach said that stands out to me, quote, he's a guy I enjoy being around and we're counting on him. And I think the we're counting on him part, you could look at it. And if you really want to dive into it, there's a couple of things. One, we're counting on him to be the guy we saw in 2021 and be a, a big, make a big impact on the field while also having the same impact in the passing game that he did last year at times. And they're also counting on him off the field because part of the conversation isn't just the contract. It's the, the two incidents, ones that one that it still isn't settled on his end, uh, charges against him, allegations against him, whatever you want to say. That's tough. That's tough to when you're an aging running back and you, you have a, a big contract and all of these things. So I, I think that, there's still paths to him either taking a pay cut or not necessarily being on the roster. But as of today, I think it's as slim as it's been, those paths. And it feels like he's going to be on the roster. It feels like he is going to be RB1. And fine. Now, much like Tyler Boyd, who we praised on yesterday's show for his attitude and his professionalism, going into what is a contract year for him, you need the exact same out of Joe Mixon, that same attitude. Because 
this team does have a shot at winning a Super Bowl, at doing something that Mixon may never have another chance of doing th- for the rest of his NFL career. And, and so hopefully we haven't heard from him, but hopefully he has that mindset. It certainly sounds like Zach believes he does. And he's been out there on the field working with the ones and the few clips you see, you know, where Joe Burrow's going through a, a play action kind of play. Mm-hmm. You can see that Joe Mixon's out there with him. He, he's the one that's the recipient of those play action fakes. And by, by most accounts, the fact that he's there doing work and, and by Zach's quotes and, and others, he, he's bringing that attitude to the football field, which is what you would expect and, and hope a veteran running back would do. You know, you have to see what happens with some of the off-field stuff. That could be why you, you didn't get the commitment from the Bengals earlier in the offseason to Joe Mixon's future when they were asked about him. It could be as simple as that, right? It could be as simple as we don't know what's going to happen with the, the court case. We don't know what's going to happen with the NFL on this stuff, whether the NFL is going to crack down because it, it's really the word of Roger Goodell right in, in terms sure. of disciplinary action there he, he's the arbiter in a lot of cases on that stuff unless it actually goes to an arbiter um but a lot of the conversation we had about joe mixon was when there were still very clear uses for that money and and there still are to be clear like if they wanted to go sign dalton risner who a lot of people have talked about who we've talked about who's still one of the most prominent free agents out there as a bunch of teams are about to get a bunch of June one cap space. You're probably listening to this episode on, on June 1st or late on May 31st. So the Bengals still could use that money as other teams are about to get cap space as well. If they chose to make an external move, but at this point, it doesn't make as much sense. Like you said, James, the, the paths to Joe Mixon not being on the team are fewer they're, they're harder to find, and part of that is the replacement for those snaps. Part of it is where would the money go, and, and how does that puzzle fit together from a cap space perspective, from a cash spend perspective. But at this point, it seems, uh, you know, judging from the quotes and the situation and all the context, that, yeah, it's going to be Joe Mixon. Now, whether there will be a pay cut, will be interesting and watching Dalvin Cook's situation in Minnesota transpire mm-hmm. and, and go through some of the same sort of conversations is an interesting parallel to watch as well. It is same draft class. Cook has been more productive, but I, I think that, you know, you could compare their careers and uh, all of those things, aging running backs, they've dealt with some injuries, all of those things. And so, yes, I, I could see that in just looking at it, $12.7 million cap hit, Said to make over ten million bucks cash wise, if you want to look at it that way. Do you think? Do you buy or sell that they'll bring him back at this number today? If you had to guess, and look, we've speculated on all all the spectrums. This might be dead wrong, but but would you buy that that they're just going to keep Joe Mixon at what he's set to make, or would you sell that and think that they bring him back at a lower number? I think that. It's probably more likely between bring him back at his current number or some incentive laden deal that reduces the cap hit but gives him the opportunity to still make that money. We've talked about that a few times. And and I think that if they do rework his contract, that's a pretty likely path they could take. Mm-hmm. Right. But 
the money kind of works even if they don't rework his deal. So what what's something that we've talked about with the Bengals, although this isn't necessarily true anymore, but people love to bring up, you know, they pay out the contracts. They respect the contracts. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily true. They've, they've cut a lot of guys in the last few years before the end of their contracts. But I could, I, I think I could buy that they keep him at his current number and, and then next year is when they make a change. Next year, it, it makes a, a much bigger difference from a cap perspective. And I think they can make everything work financially at the current number, but would be far from surprised if they rework it with incentives. I have a theory that I want to run by you about this. And we're going to get to the offensive line, but I have a theory I want to uh, run by you about Joe Mixon and about what Zach Taylor said, because it wasn't just on Tuesday. Praised him after the draft. Has been very complimentary really throughout the offseason. So let me uh, run that by you coming up next. But today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is a one-stop shop for all things sports wagering. And right now, well, the NBA Finals are about to start, depending on when you watch this. Can the Heat shock the world? They are underdogs, big-time underdogs. I think you can get them 3-1 to to win this series. Everyone thinks Jokic in this Denver Nuggets team, which doesn't seem to have many flaws, steamrolled the Lakers, took LeBron's best shot, still was able to uh, get a sweep in the Western Conference Finals. Can Jimmy Buckets, can Eric Spolstra, can they figure out a way? Well, you can wager on all things NBA Finals at FanDuel. There's no better place to wager on the NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, anything sports. So check them out right now at FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you're going to get a no-sweat first bet up to 2500 bucks. So if you want to wager on the NBA Finals and you've been having cold feet, now's the time. FanDuel.com slash locked on, a no-sweat first bet up to 2500 bucks. That's bonus bets back to you if your first bet doesn't hit. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on. James, you have a theory before we talk about the financial puzzle and the offensive line and all the extensions. So what's the theory? That Zach Taylor is saying, man, Joe, we love you. You are the man. And I, I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you. Came up with this theory about five minutes ago. Yeah. You're the man. You, you, we're relying on you. We believe in you. Uh, we love that you're a part of this team. There's a reason we gave you that money a few years ago. And yet, and this wouldn't necessarily be Zach saying this. We need you to do us a solid. We need you. We've stuck by you. And we want you to be a big part of this team and be the starter and, and be a big part of this Super Bowl contender that we have. But, and there's the but, we want you to take a pay cut. I, I, I don't think it's premeditated with Zach. I don't think he's necessarily involved in that part of it. But I could totally feel the, the, the psychology behind it of making sure Joe feels he's valued because of what the outside world is saying, running back values don't matter because you know that you're going to ask him at some point to take a pay cut, especially because they didn't take a running back early. They didn't re-sign Samaje Pirine. So it's cutting him makes them worse now. I think we can mm-hmm. agree there. Mm-hmm. So really make him feel wanted so you can say, look, we want you to do, do, do us the solid and ask for a favor. I could see it. I'm not saying that's what Zach's doing. Would not shock me though if that happens. If you 
I mean, yeah, it wouldn't be because Zach is doing this, right? That would be so out of character for Zach cool. Taylor. Duke is like, hey, man, really play up to a tell him how much you love him. That would be <laughs> it, that's not, it's not so far outside, like based on everything we know about Zach Taylor, right? Zach's walking into his press conference, Katie winks at him, like, hey, you got this. <laughs> yeah. That would be some next level stuff. It's a joke from that Zach didn't Taylor. happen, by the way. J- Joe Mixon didn't come up until the last question of the press conference when, yeah. when Joe Daneman brought him up. So, I mean, it was way late. So, unless they uh, they plan that out. It, it would have been, which didn't happen. But I, I do think that the praise part of it, the psychology part of it, I do think that that could be be in play a little bit. Not that that's what Zach's saying, but it's like, all right, well, don't don't rip Joe Mixon. Don't have one of these situations where you're saying, well, if he's on the roster, if if if, just be very blunt about it, and uh, you know, we'll see where he's at. Because I think that's. If I had to to put a bet on it, I would still say that they would ask him to take a pay cut and, and, or, or re- rip up his deal and completely change his deal. Mm-hmm. Would not shock me. Yeah, I, I think that the incentive idea that we've talked about quite a bit makes a lot of sense. And you're right, there has been a bit of a shift, right? Like they saw, they, they see this stuff. I mean, Zach referenced a, a Twitter, a viral tweet with, with Lel Collins shoving, do you remember the guy's name? The staffer's oh, uh, name. I can find it. But... Zach shouted him out. I mean, they're, they're aware of what's happening in social media. They're aware that they've their language gets picked apart and all the if and, you know, right now stuff that, that got cut cut apart in quotes. They, they've seen all Roberto. Stuff, right? Roberto. Roberto is doing great. He's fully healthy. Car- Roberto yeah. Cardona. Cardona. Yeah. 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 Um, That's right. I knew it too, and I forgot. And and he he specifically saw that, right? So so the change in language is probably a reaction to coverage, right? They don't want this to be a story. They don't want it to be a focus. And especially with the draft going the way it did, Joe Mixon, like you said, if he's not on the team, the Bengals are worse. It's time to shift the language, and it makes sense that they've done so. And I'm surprised, James, that your theory didn't have anything to do with Ezekiel Elliott. We, we've talked no. about running back for 15 minutes and you haven't mentioned Zeke's name once. I would say, look, there's a lot of times where the Bengals do stuff I wouldn't do and vice versa. And I think, unless Zeke wants the world, I'm not going to give you the world, my man. You know, but a Samaj P. Ryan type deal? Yeah, because I think he can be Samaj P. Ryan. But he might not be willing to do that because he's a big star. He also, well, might not be interested in Super Bowls because he's not winning one in Dallas if he goes back there. Could get to one. The NFC is... Uh, nah, it's Dallas. Yeah. There's too much going on there, I mean, man. Dallas has won five Super Bowls. I guess they were a long time ago now. Long time ago. It's a completely different culture, completely different... It's it's hard, man. We, we hard. can't praise the Bengals for having great culture. This isn't a Cowboys thing. But for having great culture and, and then that happening. I mean, you have your owner talk every week. It's a lot. Imagine Mike Brown talking every week. Let's just say I don't think their players love it, and if you could pencil it together, I would have firsthand knowledge of that. Mm. All right. If you pencil, if you pencil it together, right? What What does pencil it together mean? Put it together. Put it. Put together. the pie together. Yeah. Put pie think, together? think about think about who knows what it's like to play for Jerry Jones. Huh. 
Yeah, I couldn't think of a single. I wasn't talking about TJ Hushmanzada. Go ahead, Jake. Let's talk about uh, <laughs> let's talk about Jackson Carmen, who also hasn't played for Jerry Jones. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll piece together the financial picture, and there have been and has been speculation and, and comments about the future of Lel Collins and Jonah Williams, and can both guys be on the roster with the financial expenditure on Orlando Brown this year and our Orlando Brown in the future with the Joe Burrow extension coming potentially with the T Higgins extension coming potentially with the Logan Wilson extension coming. Does it all fit? Especially with Joe Mixon still on the roster at his current number. What does that mean about these offensive linemen? We'll get into that to finish up the show coming up next. All right, Jake, let's dive into the, the offensive line questions because I, I think that there are some out there that see what Jackson Carmen did in the divisional round against the bills at left tackle. They, they see him out there now and he, he's trimmed down appears to be more mature, certainly more dedicated was young coming into the league. It's only year three. And they say, all right, not only is he more mature, but he seems better suited for tackle. He looks like he's in pretty good shape. Try him at right tackle. And yet you have Lyle Collins looking pretty darn good in his rehab. Still not there, but pretty good. Was walking onto the field with his cleats the other day. So he's certainly uh, working and, and building uh, towards a return with uh, Bengals trainer Nick Cosgray leading the way. And then you have the Jonah Williams factor, where I think his Q score is about as low as any Bengals player has been in a few years, certainly during this run. And Q's he's the great. highest. Nice. He, he's the highest paid of the three, but we haven't seen him. Some assume he's still disgruntled. I don't think that's the case. I think he's just working hard by himself. And you have $12.6 million guaranteed to him. So there's three guys, one starting spot. One guy's actually a f- uh, cheap, I would say would be a value if he did end up becoming the starter in Jackson Carmen. Lyle Collins... TBD because of the injuries and everything like that. And then Jonah, if he plays up to his level, I think it's worth it uh, up to his best level that we've seen in the NFL, but it it doesn't feel good having to to owe him $12.6 million. Yeah. It's, it's a lot to fit together with Mm -hmm. LC seemingly being ahead of schedule with limited spots for these guys to play. Like if Jonah and LC are on the team, where are they playing? Are they actually talking about somebody playing left guard? Is or is one of those guys no. in the mix with nope. Cordell Volson? I'll tell you now, because that's been a lot of speculation. No. When have the Bengals ever... Like, honestly, we've talked about Jonah moving for years, and it took Orlando Brown Jr. calling them, willing mm-hmm. to take a rate that was way less than anyone expected, and them saying, heck yeah, we want you to play left tackle, for them to move Jonah. Like... I would be shocked if one of those guys was in the running at at left guard with a healthy Cordell. Yeah, it would be surprising. I mean, at least one of them has professional experience at guard in LC. And and so if anyone would do it, you know, at least he's played, you know, at at a starting level on the inside. But it's it's not going to – I mean – the world where it's Jackson Carmen in week one is a world where neither of those guys is playing right tackle. 
and the, because they're not available for some reason, right? Like, yes, yep. That that's pretty straightforward. But the interesting thing is is making it work from a financial perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Because Joe Burrow's extension, well, how does that impact the cap this year? It, it, it depends on the structure. And this is why the structure of these contracts is so interesting, even though Duke Tobin is surprised that we care about the contract details in the media <laughs> and, and, as, and as fans. Uh, if you remember that quote from Duke Tobin uh, a few months ago, and uh, I wish I had the exact quote, but he said something about it. I'm surprised that people care about the contract details and structure, but Burroughs cap hit, even after an extension, depending on the way they do it, could barely go up in 2023. He's currently scheduled to have a cap hit this year of $11.5 million, according to Over the Cap. And that number could go up maybe $7, $8 million. Hmm. And, and even if it does, that still leaves the Bengals with enough cap space to deal with all their practice squad stuff, to, to deal with the little bit of cushion they want to have to, to deal with injuries in the season. It could go up a little bit more than that, depending on the structure, but they can technically afford their entire roster as is, even with the Joe Burrow extension that adds seven or $8 million to his cap hit this year. If that's the case. Mm-hmm. So they could keep all those guys. They could say, you know, we want this really good experience tackle depth and they could have it. Now, if they also had a T Higgins extension and that adds a little bit to his cap hit this year, probably add a little bit more because he's a second round pick. So the contract's a little bit smaller. So that signing bonus is going to get prorated into the first year of the deal this year uh, would, would be a little bit of a bigger delta, bigger change. So once you start talking about Logan Wilson, T Higgins extensions as well, that's where money could start to get tight. But if Joe Burrow's the only one that gets done, then they could still have seven, eight million dollars of cap space, and that would be enough for everything else that they need to pay for. Yeah, I I would be shocked. I would still be shocked if they just kind of went business as usual, just added on a burrow extension. And and that might be the only extension that gets done. It might be because if you're the Bengals, you've just extended Jermaine Pratt. I don't know how all in you are on getting Logan Wilson done this off season. If you can't get T done with Jamar chase looming with a bunch of other guys that we should talk about at some point in, in their futures potentially staying or going DJ reader uh, is certainly one of those guys. Is it, is it worth spending this money knowing you can push it to the future? push some of that space, push some of that room and roll it over and, and use it next year on guys like that. And so, man, I think in a perfect world, perfect world, Jake, Lyle Collins, they would continue to heal him and Nick Cosgrave would continue to heal him with his magical powers that worked with Joe Burrow and have worked with a bunch of guys, right? They would have him show that he's ready to go something happens in camp where they can shed Jonah's money and Joe Mixon takes a pay cut where all of the things happen, right? There was the, 
oh, trade Jonah and keep Joe, move on from Joe and keep Joe, all, all of those things. In a perfect world, you're shedding all that salary, I think. And, and Lael is the, the guy that you hoped you were getting a few years or last year when you signed him. And obviously he dealt with some injuries. I'm not sure if all of those things happen. I think they could. I guess you could say an ideal world would also be Jonah Williams just has the best year of his career at right tackle for $12.6 million. You would take that all day long if that's what ended up happening as well. I think it comes down to we just we don't know. There's so many questions. And yet I keep coming to it's hard for me to envision Jackson Carmen being the starting right tackle unless something went wrong. Mm-hmm. Where Lau looks good, so they move Jonah because they get offered more than they think he that they were going to, and then Lau has a setback or gets dinged up or one of those things. So the people that feel good about Carmen, that's great because then you feel pretty good about the the tackle depth because odds are I think he'll be a backup even if they did move on from Jonah at some point during the the during camp. But I, I don't think they will. I think ultimately he'll be the starting right tackle. Yeah, and and I think. With, with Carmen, I think he probably has some work to do again because, again, you're asking him to learn a new position. And I know when they drafted him, I said he played left tackle like a right guard. Didn't really work out at right guard. <laughs> was, was better at left tackle playing, again, like a right guard. Still, still playing the same way, stylistically. So maybe, he, you know, he handles the transition better to the other side this this time. He and he practiced about, there. He practiced there, but he's never played there, to your point. And, and he's talked about the difficulty in, in making the switch from one side to the other. And in the few clips we've seen of him working at tackle with Orlando Brown, you see Frank Pollock giving him some extra work, some extra words of advice and ex, some extra corrections. So it, it does seem like there's a little bit of work, maybe a lot of work, for him to do, to, to figure out that position swap again to right tackle. It's not like it was perfect at left tackle either, you know. He, he had a couple solid performances in, in the postseason, but you're right. I think the ideal is either Elsie's healthy and plays like he did in his peak, which, I mean, what do you think, like 15%? You, you get something like that, maybe 10%. I mean, even something approaching his peak, not mm-hmm. – terribly likely given his injury issues but if he's healthy maybe some of that stuff is mitigated quite a bit right and if he can stay healthy if he can keep his body right the other one is jonah williams like you said playing as well as you've ever seen jonah play and then you have two pretty good tackles right either way you're hoping that one of those two guys steps up and plays as well as they've played in their career at some point and and that jackson carmen can continue to grow because likely i mean they do have lc under contract next year but you might need a new starter next year. And if Jackson mm-hmm. Carmen's ready to do that next year in a contract year, great. Then then you don't need to immediately go out and spend a resource on that position. But for this year, which is obviously the focus right now, you're hoping one of those two guys, those two veterans, can go play like we've seen them play in the NFL at some point, which is pretty good. And Carmen can be your your swing tackle, you're right. And, and then you'd feel good about that as well. I mean, you saw him step in last year and and be passable. And I think he's better now than he was eight months ago, seven months ago. So uh, we'll see. Obviously, it was, what, four months ago when he slid in there, a little less than four months. But, um, yeah, we'll see. It, the As the world turns, Jake Lisko, we, we know a lot, but 
there's plenty we don't know. And, and that right tackle spot up for grabs and uh, the Joe Mixon future, certainly interesting. I think they asked him to take a pay cut. That would be my guess. They just, they massaged him. I'm on board with my theory now that they, they, they were massaging the ego of Joe Mixon. Everyone hates you, Joe, all of those things. You are the best. We want you to take an incentive laden deal. <laughs> if it happens, if it happens, we can come back to this episode. Yeah. I, you're the first person to say it. You, you've got the the connect the dots working today. Yeah, my guy. Never know. Never know. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back for one more episode this week. That'll be a mailbag. Keep an eye out on May 31st evening at Lockdown Bengals on Twitter to get your questions in. If you miss it on the evening of May 31st, get your questions in on the morning of June 1st, and we'll get your questions into our next episode. Until then, Bengals fans, thanks for listening. Hootay, and have a good one.